Hey everyone, welcome to an unexpected podcast. And with me, I have some of our usual hosts, Matt and Rainier. Matt's actually from the Boston area and Rainier's from uh, South Korea. Well, not from, but you're living in South Korea right now. <laughs> so we have this podcast all over the world. Um, so basically on today's episode, what we're going to do is go over Cond and the Easterlings. We're going to actually cover both of them. And then we're going to do our list review. So for those who are new to the channel, normally we do a list review in the beginning of the episode before we get to it. But we're actually going to push it to the end of this one just for the sake of possible time issues. Uh, it's going to be a 1,000 point last alliance build. So if you're interested in our thoughts on that, definitely uh, stay to the end of the episode. Also, for those of you who are listening, we do have episodes on iTunes and Spotify. So check out on both of those. If you're in the car or whatnot, it's a little easier to just listen to us. And absolutely check us out on there. So we're going to first go into the Easterling faction and uh, talk about all the heroes and warriors of there and our thoughts on them and, and, you know, kind of building a competitive force. This is a competitive podcast after all. So, uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and start us off on, I guess, the army bonus. Since All right. The army bonus for the Easterlings is no quarter was asked. Easterling models receive a plus one courage when their force is broken. Until then, they're still cowardly. Additionally, once per game, in scenarios in which a die in which a die is rolled to see, I'm just going to edit that. It actually says a dice is rolled. A die is rolled to see when the game ends. So long as there is at least one Easterling hero model alive and on the battlefield, the Easterling player may choose to have the dice re-rolled if the scenario ends before they wish it to. So there's there's two parts to the army bonus. The first is plus one courage, but only when their force is broken, which to me is kind of like a meh. Um, and then the, uh, the second half is uh, your ability to re-roll the die once the scenario ends to either get it to not end or try and get it to end. I have to say, this is only... I play the Easterlings once in a while. I have only had this come up once. And when I re-rolled the die, it had the same number on it. So, <laughs> oh, and, and and quick quick edit. You you can only roll it if the scenario ends. You yeah. can't roll it too. Oh end. yeah, yeah, that's right. You, yeah. you can't. Roll yeah, because I've tried. I think it would be spicier if you could do both. But like, if you I could get like, it to. Oh end. yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, so I think I actually the one time I tried to do it, I did it wrong. Um, <laughs> but there's no impact because we rolled the same number. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about this, and I know people had before the new alliance or then there's a new faq out that i think um prohibits this but people were like allying in an easterling hero into their more yes there's a new faq that stops it from happening now 25 yeah. percent of your force must be Easterlings. must be easterlings and boy i don't know about that um but anyway um, i i'm, I'm kind of curious whether other people think i'm kind of underwhelmed by this particular army bonus but i've i've used it once in my tournaments actually where it's worked but it was it was shocking like it was a whole ground game and my opponent had mordor and he was holding the ground and i had one more turn to kind of get there okay. and it worked in that that aspect once but as I kind of alluded to, I think if you could use it both ways, it would work better because the one thing we'll talk about is the Easterling war drum and getting your army positioned really well to win the scenario game. So I think it'd be fun to run your army up to the scenario, to, to the objectives, break, game doesn't end, and make the game end. Like So I think if they switched it or gave it the both ways, 
it'd be a little more competitive. I mean, that, that usually tends to be the situation I'm in when I'm in the Easterlings is I'm like, please let the game end. Please let yeah, the game yeah. end before the rest of my guys get mulched. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the objectives. I'm good. <laughs> we can only handle so much. Yeah, like, please. That's right. I actually, yeah, I also agree. I find I'd rather have the game end than continue. <laughs> yeah. And it even seems like a bad, like, like you can shoot into combats as evil factions. Like, why not let the game end as an evil faction too? I don't know. Maybe it was considered kind of broken. Maybe they, you know, they're, I don't know. They, they looked at it and they were just like, well, because evil can just mow themselves down and make it end. Well, or or anything that plays against Easterlings feels broken because they're such a bad faction. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're a bad. They're a, they're a faction that is like I think desperately trying to find a way to make them viable. May, mayhap a, a legendary legion will appear with these guys in it. That would be, I think, a lot of fun. But right, I have to say, I consider Easterlings as kind of like a they're they're a challenge list right they're like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give myself a challenge today and i'm going to uh bring out the easterlings and you know boy they look pretty but i'm not sure they can fight Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah this is one of those factions that like you feel like everyone wants it to work because they just look gorgeous (laughs) right right yeah 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 i've never seen easterlings on the top table but we can talk about i guess some of the things that do work in the faction and uh, I would say two of its heroes actually are pretty decent. Um, so we're going to first cover uh, Amder, actually, the Lord of Blades. And you have a lot of experience with him, Rainier. What's, uh, what's he got going on? So Amder is, from my opinion, on Mounted is the best model in the game. Uh, aesthetically speaking like i just think oh, he's beautiful. Like, yeah, no not not another game <laughs> no no <laughs> aesthetically looking like on a horse two-sorted like odds ah, or two-handed on a sword i just think he looks so cool um but yeah so amder lord of the blades is a hero mm-hmm. of valor he's uh really good actually for an evil hero fight six um basic four strength d6 three 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 or three three five so three attacks three wounds uh courage five uh basic Mega hero for evil, three might, three will, one fate. One um, fate. One, one fate. That's that's the kicker right there. One fate. But he is a hero of valor, so you could make someone else your leader, which is what I usually do when I play him. Um, one of the big kickers he has, though, is his special rules. He basically has a two uh, elven blade. So at fight six with an elven blade, like that's really good. Um he also has a special rule that if someone heroic strikes against him, he can heroic strike for free. Um, I don't know the names of it off my head. Well, do you want me to go through him? Because he is kind of the he is kind of the lord of special rules. He's got yeah. blood and one, glory. Two, three, three, four, five, well, six. Well, if you have the book in yeah. front of you, Matt, or I can go over me the way I, I, I go. Oh, you so, have it so in front of you? Bl- blood you know, and I, I've got I've got the book right here, but anyway, go ahead. Blood and glory. Um, if he kills a hero or multi-wounded monster, he gets a might back. That's correct, right? Mm. Yep. Yeah, so blood and glory. Unyielding combat stance, so he can, he doesn't really get knocked down. Or if he is on a roll of a four plus, it's ignored. Um, phalanx, um, which is he can have two pikes behind him. So you can technically, if he's on foot, you can have his three attacks and two more pike attacks. So five attacks. The gleaming well, horse. I mean, anyone can have two pikes behind them. Yeah. What Phalanx allows uh, you to do is back them, back them up. 
Yeah. So he won't uh, be trapped, which is like typical of like yeah. an Urukai captain or an Urukai Urukai uh, special person. Uh, the gleaming horde, which is really good, that I like to use him with a lot. Um, if he is mounted next to, is it next to what is it? Two models. He gets one plus defense. Yeah. So it's it's essentially shield wall for horses. Um, yeah. So if if you are a model with this rule and there are two other models with this rule in base contact with you you get a um, you get a plus one defense to both you and your horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that's really good because he has an armored horse. So someone like legless is going to have to take it out on a D or on a roll of a six now, which is really important. Um, and then it makes him defense seven on a horse when he's connected to two other guys. So that's going to make the like of regular bows. Uh, um, what are their black rule valley archers rangers of gondor hit him on like a six followed by a four which is really good yeah, um he's I, the only downside with this rule by the way is that it really is against shooting because unless you're going to be like fighting your cavalry in two ranks for some reason mm-hmm. um i think it was you, intended to be only good shooting yeah you never really get it in in yeah. combat unless I do, unless you I, position him so that he can like back up into two other guys yeah which i do i do honestly, probably what, should do it that way well, I, I do. I do it when I when I bring him pure Easterlings, or we'll talk about it later. But allied with Kant, Cond, and I'll just have two regular cataphracts next to him, and it's basically just for that reason, um, so he doesn't get shot off his horse or get wounded, of course. So that's another one. He also has Herald of Victory. He counts as a three-inch banner for Easterlings. If he kills the enemy leader, that that goes up to six inches. So he's also an Easterling. So he's bannering himself. Um, just to throw this out there also this does not count towards victory points in scenarios but still he's now base four attacks basically because he has that free that free banner um and he also has lord of blades and that's the one i alluded to where if an enemy strikes at heroic strikes he gets a heroic strike for free that is really good for two reasons one he's fight six so most people like the likes of Aomir, Theoden, Durnhelm, and those type, type of models are going to heroic strike against him. And you get to decide, oh, sweet, I get that also for free. Mm. Plus, if we tie it on a one to four or what is it, like a six mm. to three, it goes to me because I have an Elven Blade as well. So and that's you the see, reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the reason. And that's also the reason you see a lot of people actually two-handed strike with him a lot because they're like, well, I'm going to win the fight regardless. And I have the three might to might up and I know that I'll kill something, something. So all that is really good. In my opinion, Um, if he is how I use him, if he's your only heavy hitting uh, model, uh, your opponent can really easily focus on him and take him out or mitigate what he does. But if you combine him with other heavy hitting models, like, Gothmog, uh, Kamul, Kondish Chieftains, or Kondish Ch- Kings on Chariot. He just does a lot of damage for for what he what he his points wise and what he brings to the Easterling. So yeah, I I love the model and honestly, he's one of the funnest models to play with in the game. Also, just with all his special rules and uh, just the shenanigans he can get. What do you Amdor, think Lord of the Special Rules. Yeah, that's what they should. Amdor, Lord of the Special Rules with Mickey Mouse ears. Boing. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's... Uh, yeah, he is He is a great figure. The, I mean, the, the problem is the one fate 
And the other problem is he is the only hero in this list that has three might. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that is, that is something the Easterlings always have a short, they have a chronic shortage of might. And uh, you end up, I find often having to use his might for things like heroic moves and stuff like that. Um, Which is really probably the worst way to use this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, he, you know, with that said, he does self banner himself. That helps. He does have, um, uh, he does have blood and glory and that helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, and if you're playing Amder, especially in a pure list, I think the key to using him is figuring out how to get him to like bounce from captain to captain, killing them. Yeah. Um, it, you you don't want to take Amder and you don't want to throw him in against like say the other guy the other side's Aragorn, um, or you know the other guy's like primary hitter where he's you know it's going to be a, a, a you know a, basically a duel to the death. Amdur is a guy you want to be sending in as much as possible to like be the be the assassin of the captains. Yeah, so because you can keep regaining that might. Like Huron, like Huron, you know if Huron wins, he'll maybe wound Amdur, but if Amdur wins with his might, like he's going to just kill Huron right out. Or I any mean, other mid mid tier heroes, you throw him against a wizard. That's where I would say mid tier because or anything defense six and lower because without plus one to wound. He has trouble taking out heroes of defense seven and higher. So but this, this is the Elven Blade. Bit. This is where you see with the two-handed because I think knowing that he'll get the might back. Um, how I play him and how I see other people play him around the mm -hmm. states is, you will be like, okay, I beat you on fight. I'm gonna two-handed. Even if you roll a six, I roll like a four or five. Um, I'll might it up, kill you, and just get the might back for free. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's like a little. I mean, I hate two-handing in any game, but like with Amder, sometimes I'm like, "Ooh, like actually, like I'm gonna two-handed with you because you need to kill this guy." Like, <laughs> well, we'll get to it later. But Blade Wrath is another option with him. Yes, and yeah, oh, actually, yeah, that's true too. I, though, yeah, I guess we'll talk about that with the Easterling War Priest. I suppose um, anything else regarding this guy? I think what's interesting here is Amder kind of competes for the general slot with him and Kamul the Easterling. Um, because unexpectedly, Amder is a hero of valor, so there is no hero of legend here in this list. Um, so, do you often find, given they have both combat roles, that you bring Kamul the Easterling or Amder as your general? If you, or do you even bring both at all? You yes. have more on this, like Matt, because I, I usually ally him in with Khand, and I don't make him the leader. Mm -hmm. I make a Khandish chieftain on chariot my leader. I mean, mm -hmm. for the sole purpose of the Condish chieftain will have bulwark and Amder. It's just my play style. If I know you're not my leader, I can just go ham. When you say Condish chieftain, you mean king? Or Condish oh, chieftain. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, sorry yeah. about that. But no but problem. you, Matt, has like a lot of experience playing. Okay. Yeah. So um, so I I have kind of come around. I mean, there's certain points level where you have to do it, but I think once you hit the 650 point level and above. Mm -hmm. have both amder and and you're doing a pure list if you're i mean if you're going to ally in some other heavy hitter that's fine but if you're doing a pure list you have both amder and kamul in the list because okay. um, you need you need two hitters in the list to divide the other side's attention if you have just one kind of once you get to that points level um you do, you end up getting shut down and you don't have enough kind of might and supporting guys to to cover for them all right so 
I guess with Kamul, <clears throat> he's not actually part of the list exactly. Like he's in right. it, but he's not in the but profiles. We, we we should talk about him because you I mean, think you think he's 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 like one of the most important parts of lists. Okay, and and, and he oh. is Kamul the, the Easter. Easterling. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, so I guess in our mortal review, we'll we'll gloss over this guy. Um, so then let's go over him, Kamul the Easterling. Uh, obviously, the other hard hitter of the faction. Um, you know, here I guess I'll go ahead and state his um, his actual stats here, unless someone else has him right now. I have him right now. Uh, you, all right, go ahead, read it off. Then. All right, so Kamul the Easterling, he is a spirit. He is a ring wraith. He is an Easterling. He's also a Mordor infantry hero, and he is a hero of valor. So he is at the same tier as Amder. Um, he has typical ring wraith uh, profiles. So uh, fight five, strength four, defense eight, one attack, uh, one wound, card six. Uh, he has two might, 12 will, which is low for a named ring wraith, but there's a but that comes with that that we'll discuss in a second. Uh, and he has two fate. He has heavy armor and a sword. Uh, his heroic actions are channeling strike and challenge. Um, he has the option for an armored fell beast, a fell beast, an armored horse, or a horse. Uh, and I think... I think we can probably all be in agreement that he, this is a guy that always appears on a fell beast, but we can talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, he has the typical ring wraith harbinger of evil terror and will of evil. Uh, his, his special thing for him is essence leech. So when Kamul makes a strike against an enemy model, which causes a wound, he instantly regains a single point of will spent earlier in the battle for each wound caused. Unless the wound is saved by a point of fate or a similar special rule, he cannot restore his will beyond 12. Uh, so that's part one of the rule. So let's talk about that, just the way that works. Basically, for each wound he inflicts, he gets a will point back. So he is one of the few ring rays. I think the Undying may be the other one um, that has a way to regenerate will. And that's critical for him because he is a, he is a combat wraith. That is, yeah. that is his job in life. He's the only one besides the Witch King that has heroic strike. Um, you want him to be on the Fell Beast to kill stuff. And you want to make sure that you are inflicting at least one wound to turn with him so that he is not, um, his will is not uh, diminishing as the game goes on. Um, and then you can save the will and use it for spells. Uh, the second aspect of this rule is he may expend a single point of will the start of a fight phase before heroic actions are declared to increase either his fight value, his strength, or his attacks by one for the remainder of that fight phase. Uh, note that if he is mounted, he will only increase his own fight, strength, or attacks, not those possessed by his mount. So if he is on a fell beast, there is no point to this unless you are going to increase your fight value to six. Of course, there is very often a point to increasing your fight value to six. So the other advantage that you have with Kamul is if you want to charge him into a bunch of say elves, uh, you do not need to blow one of your two points of might to heroic strike against them. You can just spend a point of will instead, make yourself fight six and win the ties. Um, that so sounds depressing. Have you heroic struck against normal elves with Kamul? 
uh, not with Kamul, um, oh, with but with, with other ring rays. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, there are times when you have to hurt. I mean, you're you going in against points a, of might on your felbies. And you're going to blow one of them. You got to do it. And I certainly agree. I'm just, it's just one of those. It's depressing, depressing. but you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But Kamul doesn't have to do that, which is one. Now, of the, I, I, as you play him a lot, Matt, what, which characteristic do you usually use that for? Is it the fight? Oh yeah, you always use it for fun. Always for th- okay, that's I, what I thought. I don't think I've ever played Kamul when he is not on a on a fell beast, and there is no point to using this rule when he is on a fell beast, mm-hmm. because the fell beast strength is higher than what you could get it up to, and the fell beast are, fell beast already has the extra attack, so you'd just be wasting will on those. So you use it on fight. Um, okay, so let's talk about his magical powers. So this is Kamul is one of the uh, ring race that um, wasn't really into reading books at school. So his casting values are lower. He has drain car- a 12 inch drain courage for a three plus 12 inch transfix for a four plus a 12 inch compel for a five plus um, a uh, instill fear for three inches for a five plus uh, sap will 12 inches for a five plus black dart 12 inches for a six plus. Um, so the spells you you basically will only cast transfix with Kamul. Um, he doesn't have he doesn't have that much will to start out with. Granted, he will it will go down mm. less with him. But you're basically all, you're you're casting transfix to try and prevent the other guy from striking against you, uh, and uh, you're probably throwing a, an extra die in there to make sure that you get it. So even he's, though. He's- He's kind of like the like new combaty wraith outside of the Witch King. I feel like in the old edition, it used to be the Knight of Umbar. I've I've seen that like Kamul now fits that role. He's the wraith that like is the troop killer wraith, the hunting down midsize hero wraith. Um, he plays that role of what the ring wraith, especially like I said, Knight of Umbar used to do, is what I find. But I'm yeah, sure no, I mean he is definitely the hero assassin. And by the way, it doesn't need to be mid-level hero if he manages to get mm-hmm. that transfix off i mean yeah the way Broke strike too kamul kind of lurks in the background behind the phalanx and then he fought you know w- once the enemy's heroes commit uh he f- he fires off that transfix if the transfix goes off he sweeps swoops in and eats the guy if the transfix doesn't go off he goes off and he kills like a random guy somewhere and gets his will point back mm-hmm. um and well, if he goes into combat and kills yeah. a random guy, then he doesn't really get it back because he's net zeroing after being in combat, right? Like, yeah, he loses yeah. the will point for being in combat, and then he gets it back for killing the guy. So he wouldn't kind get like the com- might. He wouldn't get the will for the transfix back, though. No, no, no. He wouldn't get the uh, will okay. for the transfix back unless you send him into two guys and he kills both of them, which, yeah, mm. oftentimes he can do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He plays that role like the Knight of Umbar used to. You would never the Knight of Umbar would always be doing something in every single phase. And I feel like nowadays, like the ring race are like chilling, waiting for their opportunity, playing it really safe. But Kamul still plays that. Like when I play him on Felbies, it's like he, yeah. he's always doing something, making an impact every single round. I mean, realistically, I, I while I have experience with ring race, I actually never play Kamul that much, even in the old mm-hmm. edition. I never really played, not to say he was bad. I just, didn't yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, i mean <clears throat> what you have to remember is he is not the witch king so he does not have that third point of might he does not have three attacks 
So don't overextend him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's not yeah. somebody you want to kind of pitch uh, uh, mm-hmm. unless there's like a game-winning play, which occasionally there is, where you like you know go in and, and kill the guy that's got the prize or something like that. Um, but unless you unless you got a game-winning play, he's not somebody you just kind of pitch behind the lines and and let him go because he doesn't mm-hmm. have the resources to sustain himself. He's the guy that kind of fights, basically going from one point in support of your line to another point in support of your mm-hmm. line, preferably always near a banner. Um, and or, or by might, or, might also, or so or like Amber. you could rogue move. Yeah. The next All round. Right. Well, then I guess we'll keep it going. Um, so obviously we have cool Amder. You can take your choice, but you're probably picking one of them. Uh, so we'll go into the next profile, which is probably one of the more, I don't want to say bad, but disappointing profiles to me. And I'll go into my, thoughts on why here um so this is the easterling dragon knight all right and then he's 65 points he's a minor hero which i believe is an upgrade from his previous status i think he was an independent character before um and so he's fight five uh four strength six defense three attacks two wounds and four curves so three attacks is obviously the reason a lot of people like him um and then he has two might zero will zero fate all right so very fragile but he's obviously meant at 65 points to be more of a captain figure um, he's armed with two swords, heavy armor, and then he has Hurok Strike instead of a captain's typical Hurok March. And then he can be armored up with an armored horse at 15 points, making him effectively 80. Um, he has the Blood and Glory special rule, means he can pretty much throw his might around a little bit if he's dealing with the right targets. Uh, he has unyielding combat stance, same as Amber, so he can get back up on a four up if he's knocked off his horse or knocked down in general. Um, he has the failing special rule, so he, same thing, can't be trapped if he has a pike block behind him. Or not can't be, but, you know, unlikely to be. And then he has the Gleaming Horde, which is the defense modification if, uh, you know, look if mounted on a cavalry model. Uh, so he has Shield of Blades rule, so Dragonites can use a shielding rule while armed with two swords. This is actually very good, in my opinion, with them. Um, they grow to six attacks, uh, all at 5-5, five five, so they're very unlikely to lose the fight at that point. Uh, and then he has the Knights of the Dragon Cult special rule, which is Dragon Knights may only include Eastwing models with the Black Dragon upgrade within their warbands. So this upgrade will cost you two points per model, which basically increases the tax that you're paying on this guy. So my issues with him, it's a lot of points and you're only leading a very small warband. So he, his captain tax, as we like to call it, is actually kind of hefty. So if he was paying the 85 points for, or I'm sorry, 80 points, and I say 80, you could bring them unmounted and maybe Rainier or Matt will suggest some ideas off that. But if you bring them mounted, that 80 points. For, wait, for, think, for those for those that are listening, both of us just, just shook just, our head. No, we were like, no, 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 no. Like, nah, Sorry, Devin. So, so, all right. We all agree. Do not bring this guy unmounted. Um, so basically he's mounted 80 points. And he can heroic strike, which is good, but the base fight five is what frustrates me with him. Um, I really wish he was a fight six model, but I get why he wouldn't be. I get it. That's reserved for like the legendary heroes of the day. So I get it and I understand it. He has heroic strike, which helps mitigate that, but like he's just very fragile, I find, and not very spammable. You could bring one, but then after you're done bringing Amder and you're then you bring this guy, you're pretty much really low in points to bring your next thing and you got to get your march from somewhere most often and of course you usually bring a captain maybe a condi you know chieftain or something but 
whatever you guys think. Am I being too hard on the guy? No, you're not. Although no. I would, I, I have, I also have problems with him. I think for slightly different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so my problem with the dragon knight is I think he is, he is vulnerable. Yeah. He's got three attacks, but he has zero will and zero fate. And yeah. both of those really, um, you know, he, he goes down for an 80 point model. He goes down very quickly. Um, yeah. Cause and, a caster can literally be like immobilize and they get a three plus and you're like, okay, he's immobilized. Like I can't do yeah, anything yeah. about or, it. Or, or two or crossbows can hit two fives and he's dead. Like it's yeah. or compel. And he like, you know, gets wandered out in front of the middle yeah. of the line and Aragorn jumps on him and kills him or, or whatever. There's, 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 there's too much vulnerability there. And for just two might that you're probably going to try and reserve for heroic strike. So Easterlings are an army where the troops are expensive. So they're kind of like elves and you, you need to, to scramble for every conceivable point that you can get out of this list Mm -hmm. and dropping 80 points into a guy that you really can't give a war band to because I mean, you're not going to give him like, you know, six uh, black dragon pikemen because they're too expensive. I mean, and most you're going to give him two other black dragon cataphracts to ride around with him. Um, And it's just too big a chunk of points to take out of your list for the benefit that he gives. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather, frankly, spend I'd rather spend. A f- we'll talk about the captain in a minute, but I'd rather spend a few less points on him, get a guy who can bring an actual war band. He doesn't have heroic strike, but um, he's still got, you know, a will and a fate. Yeah. Uh, and he can march. So he's well, even higher defense, higher point. defense too. Cause you can throw a yeah. shield on him. He's decent. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, 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 I also, I've tried playing around with this where I went to a tournament. It was a joke tournament, you know, not like an Articon, but like it, you know, I played four dragon knights all on foot and then decided to back them up with Easterling Pikes plus a banner just to see if that would work. <laughs> and I mean, he, it is, it is possible. I mean, they died like, very quick. <laughs> it is possible. And I'm, I'm sure like many community members from around like different countries or different States have made it possible. Even there's a player of ours, like Jesse, you guys know, Jesse, like he, yeah. He played, I think, Amder and two of them at like a 700-point list with the drum, and it was just like a whole bunch of Easterlings that are like right up in your face. Mm. And like it was kind of – with two of them, it's a little difficult because you're like, okay, like you can't transfix both of them or you got to worry about both of them and there's Amder in the mix. But still, it's just like – I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've always had a bad taste for these guys since – Back before I actually played yeah. Easterlings, the first time I played against Easterlings, one of these guys was on the table. And I, I remember asking my opponent as I'm sitting there thinking, uh, how, many, how much will does that guy have? The guy goes, uh, none. And it turned later, he was dead. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? It, it's just like, even if they don't get transfixed, with Fight 5, the Heroic Strike Off against another hero, if they lose that roll-off, which they're very likely to lose the roll-off given how low they are from 10... Uh, fight 10 they're done any yeah. hero will it, it's fives to wound them and you only need two wounds 
any hero yeah, it, can pull that off. It's not. It difficult. makes their only role a troop killer role, which is not for yeah. that for eighty points or whatever. Like that's not a good role to have. If like your only role is a troop killer, you can die in shooting. You can die in magic. You can uh, potentially not roll a six and die in combat. Like it's just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, beautiful but, model though so I don't know. yeah beautiful model if they lower the point cost then maybe you know if they lower or, the point cost I, I actually think that they would be fine if they just let them take a regular war band yeah um or or let's speculate a little bit because like we saw the silhouette of those new models coming out uh, yeah, something so as of the something like video we should say it's january 16th so we yeah january uh, 16th if anyone who doesn't know because there's a lot of people who don't are not on facebook so i'll just explain um, recently, GW revealed some silhouettes. I believe what around Christmas time or something like that. Yeah, yeah right. They were like yeah. Happy New Year or whatever. And the assumption that the entire community has is that these look like Easterling silhouettes. So it looks like three models uh, armed with what I think were throwing daggers. Or I mean, yeah. let's if you guys see the picture, it's either like easterling throwing dagger models or mickey mouse and i think it's probably just three new sculpts for the dragon knight i would oh, well. really I, be <laughs> ooh, be so let's get into this now actually so mad. <laughs> I, I i think they're gonna be like the iron guard like something that has two attacks throwing weapons straight are you saying forward. like like they're they're like a, the dwarf um, iron infantry guard. model like, yeah. So they're not a, they're I mean, they, a warrior, not a hero kind of thing. I mean, they look they they have little little daggers yeah. compared. I to mean, like, three I mean, different poses team. would suggest that they are an elite models, unit, right? Yeah, an yeah. elite warrior model. That, that's usually yeah. I, I know the uh, Dunlending Huskarls. Dunlending Huskarls, like the yeah. same way, like go three pack of three. Seems like the route that GW is going. One can only hope that they are going to be as least at least as point efficient and all around useful as the Dunlending Huskarls. There you go. <laughs> I, I hope they're better, you know, to the, be honest. The Huskarls are only played because Dunland, like lacks any spears at all. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, appar- apparently Rainier did not detect the dripping sarcasm in my comments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this, give this to poor, poor, poor Matt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, poor no. confused Matt. No, like, <laughs> I, know I hope, I hope they're right? way... <laughs> <laughs> they they are and you see like two or three in a list and you're like oh shoot i paid like well 15 uh, bucks a pop and <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would so just beautiful. i would just say and this is in large part because i just finished painting six of them that i mean they do have a use in the dunlending legendary legion they're completely the pointless yeah. outside the dunlending legendary yeah. Legion. so but they they do give Dunlending spears where they had no spears, and I think the one thing they do give Easterlings... Dunlending spears where they could have gotten Urukai pikes oh, for so less points. I guess true, <laughs> true. But let, let's think thematic. Well, hold on, I hold mean, because because we're getting way could... off base here. We're getting way off base. Let's keep it oh, in the Easterlings. Okay, okay, okay. But but you but, but, but for the Easterlings, you could add Moranins <laughs> to the Easterlings and give them a punching power for killing. I'm hoping that these new models will give like hmm. strength four or like something, some poison, something like else. something. Yeah, just, I mean, just give me there, something that kills something. There is a problem when we and that we'll talk about later when we get to the drum with having Moranins in this list. Um, but I agree with you. It would be it would be good to have something with a little more punch at the front of the phalanx. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but should we stay on the heroes? So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the Eastwing Dragon Knight's pretty much done. Just see, you know, like, if you want to play it, play it for theme and you know, fun. Mm-hmm. It's probably not coming with you to a tournament if you're trying to win. But if you are trying to win, you're probably not bringing Easterlings. 
So uh, <laughs> unless maybe. you want to challenge yourself, in which yeah. case, by all means, take an Easterling Dragon Knight. <laughs> so we'll move on uh, the captain. That next one is the captain. Rainier, take it away. So the captain, Easterling Captain, is your typical captain that you'll see in any like male men faction. He's fight four. You've got two attacks, two wounds. Uh, courage for um defense six he has the ability to add on a shield for five points which makes him defense seven that's nice um typical just stroke march um heavy armor and he has an easterling glaive which is like a hand and a half axe so that 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 might give him some killing power Mm -hmm. but one of the big things that i like about him is of course his rogue march which I'm all about captains with Roke March, but his phalanx and the Gleamering Horde rule that we talked about. So if you have him mounted, he's not going to die as fast if he's and accompanied by By the two way, of- uh, you, have, you do have the option for 10 points to switch out his Easterling Glaive for an armored horse and a sword. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's yeah. good. So you can, you, you can get the mounted version of him. Yeah, which is what I what I usually do. But one one thing, like we we always talk about mounting your heroes. I actually kind of like the idea. I don't know if you guys might disagree of not mounting this hero because I, with the phalanx rule, you put him in front, right in the middle of your army, and he's not going to die by getting trapped or anything. I, I, yeah, I typically put him on foot. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, first of all, that's to to save some points, and second of all, it's because you you can take a defense seven guy, put him at the front of the phalanx. He's already fight four, so you don't need a black dragon behind him. You can just throw a couple ordinary um, pikes behind him, and he, you know, he turns into, you know, a, basically a four attack piece. Um, yeah, yeah. That you know, if if your piercing is you know strength five up front, um, mm-hmm. and they can really they can really do some damage. And I mean, that's how the whole army works too with the phalanx. Like you're moving forward with a big block. So you're, you're going to obviously use him too to heroic march, so this heroic move point. off. You guys are talking about the phalanx. I personally only use the phalanx, the actual backup of two bikes, when it comes to heroes. Otherwise, I actually use standard uh, shield wall, the two ranks, and then I will occasionally throw in a third rank sparsely. Sort of like almost the way you would use your Gladium Court Guard in the Lothlorien list. Yeah, you do the same here with like a Fight for Easterling. I forgot the upgrade. We'll talk about it when we're on the, yeah. the yeah, models. But you do that let, too. You have them we'll in the back. T- we'll talk yeah. about Phalanx tactics when we get to um, the, the Warrior because I okay. have some things to say about that too. All right. Well, then, uh, basically, this guy, the, the the captain, is, I think, very necessary in this list. Yeah. Because you have limited might. You need a heroic march. You need a heroic move. Or not heroic march because you have a drum, but you need you him have a for drum. the heroic moves. You need him for the heroic moves. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that is his role is he is a might battery for heroic moves. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to get to it eventually, but the list also has the drum option. And for those who don't know, the drum allows you to move three inches faster, almost like a march, but slightly different. Um, but and you re- can't attack in that. The, the, you can't the attack, same more. thing, but the thing is you don't have to stay in its radius. So you can go outside of the radius of the drum. Also, it's a 12-inch range rather than six. Um, so regarding that, is the captain so necessary when you do have an option for a drum that can do the same effectively the same effect? Yes. Cause he is a yes, cheap might, might battery. Might. That's why he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, he's calling the moves. He's not calling the marches. Yeah. We talked about it. You don't want to call moves with Omder and you don't, of course, with the two mites of Kamul, you're not going to be like heroic, ma- heroic move. Like it's, yeah. it's the Easterling at the front of the army. You can even have the two big boys at the end within the six inch radius. And it kind of affects everything. 
Yeah, and I mean your other options, your only other your other options for might are your Easterling War Priest, who only comes with one of them and costs more than the Easterling Captain does, and the Easterling Dragon Knight, who we've just discussed. So that leaves you with the captain. There is an interesting theory that you know that we tested where you know why not have the Eastern Dragon Knight on foot to fulfill the same as the captain role. If the captain's not calling heroic marches and calling heroic moves, why not have the Dragon Knight in front calling the heroic moves instead? And I think it really comes down to that fragility. Um, you know, he's easily killed off, whereas the yeah. captain can hold the line a little bit better, can survive that, blows. That and I find like the Easterling, uh, what's his face, Dragon Knight. You want a heroic combat with him too, because you want him to like kill stuff before he dies well i'm just saying if you ignore his for a combat potential just simply use him exactly what you would use the captain for just front of the phalanx yeah use him for heroic moves you could effectively a good idea. possibly do that it's a 15 point upgrade and as long as you only use the might like just ignore everything about him the blood and glory that's a gimmick the just ignore everything but about him you just use him for that purpose small problem matt matt said it earlier he can only lead six guys and that is a yeah huge yeah problem. that that's if the kicker 12, right there then yeah yeah. And then Easterlings are so expensive too. So it's kind of like yeah. even the extra points makes yep. a big difference if you yep. could get another cataphract yeah. or something. The, the Easterling captain can come with his own mini phalanx that he can stand in front of. And then you don't have to worry about like you know, playing a maelstrom of battle scenario where your dragon knight is on the your dragon knight on foot is on the other side of the table from your phalanx. Because yeah. <laughs> you know this is this is an army where you do not have the might to spend to make sure that each leader gets deployed in the it. same place. All right. Well then uh so that covers pretty much the captain, another essential piece. So uh now we're gonna go into the Easterling War Priest. And Matt, we'll go ahead and give us what what is he all about. All right, so the Easterling War Priest is a man. He is an inter- Easterling. He is an infantry hero. Uh, he is a hero of fortitude, so he can bring a warband with him. He is obviously move six, although you can get him an armored horse. Uh, he is fight three, so eh, not that great. Um, strength three, defense five, one attack, uh, two wounds, courage four, one might, three will, one fate. He has heavy armor and an Easterling battle stave, which can be used as a spear or a two-handed axe. And generally, he is going to be a spear standing behind a rank of guys. Um, he, As I mentioned, he has an armored horse. His two magical powers are Blade Wrath, which he casts on a two-plus and has a six-inch range, and Fury for all things Easterling, uh, which is uh, a six-inch range and casts on a three-plus. And he basically has two uses um, based off of these spells. The first is he's, he's a guy that can cast Fury. So um, you can make sure that you, if you've got him around, you can make sure that your guys will charge a terror wall. And the other thing is Blade Wrath to soup up um, your heroes. Typically, it's going to, do, to be Amder. Um, Blade Wrath, I wanted to probably worth talking about that particular spell you basically you target a friendly model in range strikes made by the model are resolved at strength six regardless of other modifiers so there's there's no point in casting this on kabul on his fell beast um but is a useful thing to cast on amder to have him do the damage so he can get off uh heroic combats with all that said it is tough to fit in an Easterling war priest into an Easterling army and still have, I think, enough guys to make it viable. It's really somebody that you're only going to see at 800 points or above, not because he's 
not because these things are not useful in an Easterling army, but because there are other things that are essential in an Easterling army that you have to surrender in order to take this guy. Yeah, because it's hard because you can take Amder, Kamul, and a war priest, but then you don't have heroic march or you don't have like that extra might to heroic move. Um, or you could take him, well, one of the big boys. Option. Some people yeah, you true, have, true. You have, you have but, a but, but still the yeah. might, like that's at it's a, the heroic a move part. Seven, 700 or 750 point, you have those three, that's six might. The heroic move is really important. And then, um, yeah, and then you have two big hitters. So your, your troops are going to get like, or you have, you can bring him one big hitter and a captain to get that might. Then you have one big hitter and the threat's just not there. So like then... Yeah. When I come against the war priest, I'm like, cool, your guys are fearless, but you have one less threat and your only killing power comes from those basic three yeah. threats in the heroes. So now I can just munch through your troops with ease like, yeah, and just ignore you're, you're one of them. Your insufficient number of guys is now fearless. Yay. Mm-hmm. Go and, you. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, you, you, you can make your hero like really good, but like now you have le- you have one less big hero. Plus, as is, we already talked about the heroes are the only dangerous thing as is. So it's kind of, yeah. I don't know. He just doesn't. It's really unfortunate that it's that way because the war priest is the only caster who has a hero fortitude rather than a hero of my, a minor hero. And that is so unfortunate that it can't be used here because like it, the Easterlings actually being the only like fearless faction that I know, or at least like mm-hmm. it, it, having fury. Well, not, I'm sorry. Fury is pretty common, but it's the only men with fury. Um, and so I, it's, it's unfortunate that you can't take advantage of this guy as much as you'd want to. It's hard to, because like we're talking in the context of like pure Easterling forces, right? Yeah. Like viewers that play this know, of course you can ally and make this yeah. optimize your list or make it better. So but it is one of those, like, as we're going through these, even the, even that you said that idea, like yeah. hero fortitude, like it still doesn't matter. Like it's still yeah. not good enough. Like this faction, in my opinion, many would agree they just need something else to make them pure competitive or just give them something to like play with the big boy lists. I don't know. And uh, you know, that's why I agree with it. Some fortunes like you even think about like, okay, I'll take an East wing more priest and just ally in a bunch of East wings, but the East wings themselves are so underwhelming that it's like, ah, you could just do the same thing with the works. And- no, then you, <laughs> like- you come against, you come up against Aragorn and Boromir and they're like, sweet. Like now you only have Kamul and a war priest. I just have to worry about Kamul. Kamul. Mm-hmm. One of my heroes will defend against Kamul. The other will just go ham and just kill everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh. yeah, I mean that that's, that's the problem with the war priest in a nutshell is he will end up being useless in two thirds of your game games. And this is not a list where you can spend 60 points or 75 points. If you're going to put them on a horse on a figure, that's going to end up being useless in two thirds of your games. You just can't afford it. Yeah. All right. Well then another unfortunate (laughs) cause there. So let's, let's go into the uh, warriors of the Easterlings. There's only two and uh, or at least right now, apparently there might be a third one coming up. Uh, So, the Easterling warrior themselves. I'm going to go into this really fast. It's a seven point model. There are men, Easterling infantry warriors. All right. Fight three, strength three, defense five, one attack, one wound, three courage. So basically your evil Gondorians, um, just starting off anyway. Um, you know, heavy armor and they have swords. Uh, they can get banners, upgrade to black dragons for two points. And just to define what that is, a black dragon is actually not even listed here. I think it's, 
somewhere it, else. They have a fight and courage of four. Oh, it's yeah, right there in the asterisk. Yeah, it's, a, it's got an asterisk. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, basically, points. they jump to fight four and courage four for two points. And we're going to go into whether or not that's worth it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so then there's a pike for one point, which is actually awesome because those used to be two points. Um, or at least that I remember. I believe there were two points. And then they have shields and a bow option. And then they have failing special rule, which is we discussed two models can make way rather than one. So from a core, these troops are actually not bad. They function really as reliable Gondorian, evil Gondorians, essentially. So in the same way, the Gondor would be really powerful with its hold the line sort of attitude. Um, these guys, you know, you can upgrade the back ranks with black dragons. The, some of the pikemen in the back confer the fight for all the way through the ranks. So they have that option. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, Rainier Matt may disagree, but I think it's always useful to have a, at least a handful of these to give the fight four into different fights. Um, I know some people play it where they'll do a row of four guys, then a row of four pikes, and then a row of four black dragons. I don't personally subscribe to that model, but um, I can see why they're doing it. Save the points, get the fight four all the way through the, the phalanx. Um, personally, though, like I said earlier, I do shield walls um, and only do a third rank when it comes up uh, to be necessary. Um, outside of that, though, the, cur the problem with the Black Dragon upgrade, in my opinion, is two points is very hefty when after seven points, you're definitely giving them a shield. So that's eight points. And then you have nine point pikemen, and then you have to add another two points. So now you're at 11. Uh, they, they start stacking up on the points really fast. Yeah, so. I think, I think yeah. that's why, like, Matt and I would agree. We only take a couple of them. And you can compare them to others because it's like 11 points the exact same amount of points you get one more fight yeah one more courage and woodland well woodland woodland realm special rule in like a a basic uh what's i'm gonna call it like high elf warrior so it's just they're, they're so expensive yeah it's, it, it's it, for me it's somewhere between 25 percent and one third of my foot figures will be black dragons mm. and uh i do try and set it up so that i've got a phalanx that either has something fight for in the front, like a fight for captain um, or has a black dragon somewhere in the last rank um, and try and fight him three ranks deep. And I have to say if what I have found is if I can get myself into a situation where my Easterling foot is fighting in three ranks, I have won the game. If I end up in a situation where I have to fight the Easterling foot in less than three ranks, I have typically lost the game. And I think it is the game with these guys is to try and get yourself into a tactical position. And we'll talk about this a bit more when we get to the drum where you have the ability because of terrain protecting your flanks or you've just got a local superiority in troops or whatever that you can fight in three ranks. And when you can do that, that is the key to winning with the Easterlings. I think that's, 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 that's the yes, no, or I'm, of, I'm winning or losing is, have I gotten myself into a position where I can um, get three dice on the other guys, one or two, um, or even better, six dice on the other guys, one or two. Um, and because if you can, do, if, um, as much as I hate to quote Nathaniel Bedford Forrest, he did have a very good quote on this is the guy who wins a battle is, is the one who gets their firstest with the mostest. And that <laughs> Wasn't is he like a Confederate, like cavalry officer. <laughs> yeah. He was a Confederate cavalry officer. He uh, is not somebody that should be anybody's um, uh, 
moral um uh moral idol or something <laughs> good good quote well, we won't though. go good into quote. that good but, quote. yeah he I, I mean he 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 did know how to fight cavalry i will give mm-hmm. him that um but uh that that quote is is a rule to live by for the easterlings you want to get your easterling foot to some place where you have either a numerical equality or a numerical advantage so you can take advantage of your of your three ranks kill the enemy and then when the rest of the enemy's army show up kill them too so i think what's really yeah. key here about what matt was saying is that you have to take advantage of terrain to do this the reason that i said earlier that i don't subscribe to the whole model of having multiple like three ranks back throughout your everything is because you end up being really really tight and compact and then you get surrounded and so if you don't actually have a building to your right and a forest to your left then it it starts to really put you in vulnerable positions, which is why I tend to spread out a little bit. Now I get it though. Easterlings in fight three are not winning very many fights. And then Easterlings at defense six are probably dying a lot faster than you'd want them to. And even if they win the fight, they're probably not killing anything because they're strength three. So having the phalanx now ensures more fights won plus also more models dying. So I do agree yeah. that if you can get the phalanx, sure. But more sixes I've, molded. Yeah, I've just seen it where people be in a grass field, just nothing around them, and then they'll be like, "All right, form up into a line of six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I've and, seen that yeah. too, and that that's kind of like the honey pot. If you have like two mega killers, mm-hmm. you just throw those me- mega killers into the phalanx, and they just munch through the whole thing like cheese. Yeah. Well, but I, I I agree with Matt. The the fastest, the firstest, and that's where like I think the war drum on our next profile is going to come into because if you can position that husky phalanx on an objective or push past the objective or position them in a way like that because matt matt uses the terrain perfectly when i play against him i hate it it's so stressful (laughs) (laughs) but like position them like you said in a wedge position them in a way that they can't be flanked or it's just like all those dice like even you throw Aragorn, Aragorn has three dice, he rolls a four. And of course these six Easterlings are going to roll a six because they have six dice. Like it's. Yeah. I mean, so if you, if you're playing Easterlings and you have like your, your nice like block of guys three deep at like four wide and you're in the middle of that grass field, Devin's talking about. Um, and basically you find yourself playing the role of Aragorn at the battle of the black gates where the army just comes out and surrounds your little ball and then comes in. Aragorn was not a Nathaniel Bedford Forrest. That was not a good tactical play. Um, so don't try and emulate that. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you need either either terrain or, I mean, and you can do this with like terrain on one side and like Kamul and Amdur on another side. Um, and that, yeah. that can work too. Um, and I, I feel like this is why Easterlings don't get played that much. And this is why they don't place is because, and this is just my opinion. I think the Easterlings win games in the movement phase like throughout the game like you have to think three turns ahead you have to think of of your opponent you and then it's not the combat so much of course the positioning well the positioning is important but all that happens in the movement phase so that's what makes the easterling special with their war drum with their special rule about no quarter was asked with all the scenario play like like they're just the movement phase phase army in my opinion like like you have to bring all that to mind yeah i think that's right i think for the, for the easterlings pretty much the game is going to be winner lo- won or lost before the first combat die is rolled mm-hmm. 
So I guess yeah, we'll go into the last profile here that yeah, facilitates a lot of that movement. So <clears throat> we're going to be talking about the Easterling cataphracts. Uh, Rainier, go ahead and uh, read off that one. So, so to do it short, um, Eastern cataphracts, basically the exact same thing as the Easterling warrior. He's just mounted on an armored horse. Um, he has a, a single handed sword, so you can't bring him with like, um, what is it called? The, the two handed weapon or anything. It's just yeah. a sword, a shield, um, same rules apply. He has the phalanx even, even mounted. So that's kind of interesting or that happens after he gets dehorsed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after he gets dehorsed, but the glimmering horde, which I alluded to with Amder, um, you can get them at D7 and horse D6 if they're combined to basically shield wall with them on horses. Um, you can bring a banner on them, upgrade them to black dragon, uh, black dragons, which is two more points, um, and you can give them a war drum. Now the war drum is the big kicker. For I think the war for drum. fifteen points. 15 yes yes we'll, we'll 15 one five that is just um crazy we've t- if you guys don't know what a war drum is Devin and matt kind of alluded to it three more uh inches what is it five more for mounted yeah so it, when you beat the drum which you do at the beginning of the movement phase um then every uh easterling figure within 12 inches of the drum gets three inches of additional move if they're on foot five inches of additional move if they are mounted, um, including Kamul, by the way, uh, on his fell beast. Um, however, they cannot charge. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is, I think, the most important part of an Eastern faction is bringing one of these. And I say one instead of two. I know it's just 15 points, but it's not like a heroic march or heroic move where you have to keep them within uh, six inches from the person that calls it. This is whoever was, is within the, si- the six inch bubble. You call it and they can spread wherever they want. So yeah, this is a must take in my opinion for the list. And I think it goes back to the whole movement phase. Like Matt said, you can't charge in that phase. Um, so it's all about positioning. The whole Easterling army is all about positioning. I mean, you could have a huge cavalry contingent they're not strength forward. They're not going to kill much, but you can move them 15 inches each turn without expending might. And that includes Kamul and Amder, or even what are those guys? The dragon, dragon guys, all on, all on horses, even the uh, dragon. Knights? Yeah. Dragon Knights are on horses. Yeah. Like all, all their heroes can go on horses. You can move them 15 inches. Then all of a sudden it makes a crossbow Urukai battle line that usually takes out a whole bunch of models before combat hits. You take out one or two. Yeah. or you don't dehorse the heroes like you think you would, or even Corsairs, you're not doing it. Um, bows, you're not doing it because you're having to get a six by four to kill a basic cavalry person. So that's how I play them is all in the movement phase and all in the, the not just in the movement phase once you hit combat, but before, like, I think, what is it? What is it? You said it, Matt, before combat hits, like you need to be in the perfect position for the game to where you don't kill stuff, you die, of course. So how I play them, if I play them pure in scenarios, you throw them in the perfect position and the game ends and you have the scenarios. Or you throw them off the board or you, uh, Aragorn can chase down cataphracts, but 15 inches and they're all going in a different direction. You can't chase down them all. Like it's, yeah. Or you, it's, or you get your the into the choke point so the other guy can't deploy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you, you yeah. move them up. They're really, really fast. They're in the choke point and, and it'll 
catch off your opponent too, because of course, Easterlings don't look like much. Or if you come up against them, you like, oh, here's generic troops. They don't kill. Let me look where your heroes are. But it's all in the army movement, like all in the army movement. I could not say it more. Like that's where the game, and we're going to get into Cond too, like with chariots, but it's the, uh, the, the more East you go, the more you got to realize this game is won and played in the movement phase. Yeah. So yeah, full agree. The, the first figure you paint when you're painting Easterlings is either Amdor or Kamul. The second figure that you paint is the Easterling cataphract with the drum. And then he goes in every army that you take. Um, the, the drum is really the only thing that makes the Easterlings viable. Um, <laughs> and, and so it goes into your army and you need to learn how to use it to give yourself a tactical advantage on the field. I mean, I, I mean, suppose we could, should, could... I suppose we should talk about the cavalry that doesn't have the drum. Um, the cavalry that doesn't have the drum is this combination of really high defense cavalry. It's defense six riding an armored horse. And then if you buy two other buddies to dr go along with him, it's defense seven. Uh, riding a defense six well, horse. only for the guy oh well, i guess you can put him in like a triangle so yeah you put like him in a triangle um which is which is often how you see these guys running around is in a little three-figure triangle um uh so they're they're tough to kill they're tough to shoot down when they get into combat they don't hit very hard um so I always upgrade every Easterling cataphract I have to a black dragon because you need that fight for um, fight three, fight three cavalry for the amount these guys cost. Just they don't win enough fights, and when they win, they may not well kill because they're only strength three and they've just got a sword. Um, so you really want out these guys to black dragon to win as many fights as you can. But see, I I don't actually, and here's where like I'll try to like insert the Mick. Like I disagree. Like <laughs> go ahead. No, like disagree. I I agree with that. I just for me, it's just such a hard. I got to get numbers in this list and it's, it's back to the whole, like you can put one with a triangle in the middle mm -hmm. and like for our viewers um, have a cavalry contingent on the side, a phalanx on the other side, you can literally put throw one East one West going like 15 to nine inches. Like that's such the importance of it. So I don't throw him into combat. That's why I don't give him the extra two points. Um, even my, my cataphracts, like what is it? They're 14 points each. If you give them the upgrade, they're 16. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, there's 16 points yep. after the upgrade. Yeah, for, for me, I'm just like, ah, like... The 16 points is harsh. It is a little... Four, four, fight four is good, but, I mean, 13 points for a serpent rider at fight four who has a lance. Like, he kills stuff when he goes in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, for me, it's just hard. I'll go up against, like, a Gondorian battle line. Here come my catacrats, fight four. Oh, I knock you down and, like, shoot, I didn't roll a six. Like, there's nothing nothing really happening there and that that's the only reason i don't typically i could do maybe one or two so yeah so in this army um these guys have a utility in that they have they're a bunch of guys that are high defense and have really wide bases yeah. so if you can t if you take three or four of these guys and that's typically all i'll take um and you you, you put like say amder in the middle of them and you can just throw these guys out on one flank of your phalanx, and you've basically got a six-inch six wide terrain feature that the other guy has to... I mean, they can punch through eventually, um, 
but and your guys may well not kill a lot of the enemy um but uh they also can stick around for a surprisingly long time. Um, and even if their horse gets killed out from under them, then they just, then they're on foot with a shield and they just shield. Yeah. And, and that's, that's their role is, I mean, they have the typical role of cavalry. They cover the flank, they cover the flank of the infantry. And I, th I think, okay I think wh that. where I'm coming from is when I think Easterlings, I just, I usually just combine the Easterling and Condition to like one faction. I don't know if that's because of the old edition. I just, I just see them as one faction. So for me, I always bring Condish uh, horsemen at fight four who can kind of keep that points. for 13 points. And we'll talk about it a little more, but I think that's kind of where my, my break is, is I see them at fight four. They can piercing strike, get strength four, and they're always next to a cataphract. Um, so it's kind of like the cataphracts just there to bulk up the arrows and protect the heroes. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't, I think that's where, where, where I'm at with it. Like, it's like, but I agree with you. Like if, if you have pure, pure, just, just Easterlings, like the fight four is going to make a big difference. I, I, we're 16 points. Just everything in this army is like too expensive. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, that I, I'm is like a used problem. To, everything in this army is a point or two expensive. And that really does. And overcome. yeah, yeah, they have the opposite effect of elves. Like elves are like three points too cheap. <laughs> These yeah, yeah. Like I play, I play corsairs. So like I'm used to a motel. Then all of a sudden we're in a five star hotel. I can't afford this. It's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with these feelings, which is why for majority of this, I just kind of listen. Um, I mean, my any of my opinion I have is probably going to be a lot more theoretical. Uh, I know my brother plays these a lot. Um, so I'm used to playing against them. Um, the E often does upgrade the cataphracts to black dragons. He'll play like as many as six, uh, though. I do agree. I think the right call is probably to play less, um, because they're just not doing enough for the points. So it's really, you want them for that one role. So, um, but you know, let's go into an, uh, another part of this army, I guess, as Rainier put it where um, there is another cavalry option. So the Easterlings have two historical alliances. They have Mordor and Khan. Am I correct on those two? Is that? Mm -hmm. So we're not going to go into Mordor, all right? But we will go into Khan because they're small enough. I think only four models where we can just talk about them. So uh, Rainier has extensive experience in Khan. He actually mortgaged his house and his next unborn child for an army of these. And uh, <laughs> did, thanks, uh, yeah. thanks for the child, by I, the way. <laughs> yeah, I give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that, and then I signed a, a basically something with the devil. I forgot what it was because it was so expensive. Um, yeah, that's, that's okay. I still Luda. have the written contract. So you do, and he's a lawyer too. So it's like shoot, like it's got to happen. No, as as Devin alluded to, these suckers are expensive. When I when I graduated, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna treat myself and get myself up. A beautiful Kanish army. I've been wanting it my whole life. And yeah, I've been poor ever since. <laughs> but, but okay, first of all, aesthetically, these models are gorgeous. Like beautiful. Um, yeah. um not just one of that. the best designed, like oh my gosh, gorgeous. Like as far as yeah. you know, made up ones from by GW. The the Kandish horsemen have like I think three poses, but you can position mm -hmm. them just slightly to where each one looks individual and then like you said game workshop kind of came up with their design so you don't have anything to base them off from the movies which gives you a lot of liberty to come up with beautiful color schemes but mm -hmm. to get into their army list um 
Their army list bonus is their Kondish horsemen, who are automatically equipped with bows, do not count towards the bow limit. Um, Essentially, making it essential. And the chariot, and the chariot, and chariots too. Yeah. Chariots, basically, their bows that are mounted don't count towards towards yeah. the bow limit. Um, should I just start with the Kondish king? Yeah, you might as well. Just go ahead. Okay, so the Kondish king is um, hero of valor. So. Um, of course, the Kandish also only allies with Easterlings, which kind of makes them pigeonhole into Easterling lists. They can't go into mortar or anything like that because then you can't bring the horsemen, or yeah. which are basic basics to the list. Kandish King is fight five, strength four, d6, three attacks, which is really good. Um, two wounds, uh, fight five. He does not have three might. He's only two one one when it, or actually he's two two, 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 two one. one. Two, two, one, yeah. So he's got that extra will, which is nice. His heroic actions are heroic march, heroic strike, and heroic resolve. Which means I actually you don't have to bring like... a captain if you have them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually really like the heroic resolve on him. I don't know if I mentioned it on Amder. Does really? Amder have it too? On a no, I don't think chariot? It. You willingly stop moving a chariot to call heroic resolve? Yeah. If I, if you bring other chariots and you know that your opponent's going to like move them around to wipe your own guys off like you could you could right. rogue i've used I, it guys i'm i'm gonna i've been successful until i play, played matt and got like destroyed <laughs> i've won a few tournaments with them no but yeah you don't you don't you I, I you don't use it really um i've only used heroic resolve with soladan but that's a different episode I don't think so I've yeah never heroic resolve. Heroic i've never resolve in never any used it under any really? circumstance i have yeah. never used it Okay, real quick, quick, so I can defend it. I use it at Articon on my last round um, when my opponent had three. Um, he had two Nazgul, one was Witch King, and the Mouth of Sauron, and he was just black darting my heroes. That's when I used it to protect them. So you okay. stopped moving to wait to the next turn for them to die? Or was it like the last No, he was waiting for the clock to run out. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what happened. Lords of Battle. I was like, mm, what so should I do? Like, huh? hmm. I call it heroic resolve. That means I have one die I can roll to resist <laughs> your spell. Where did I put that die? <laughs> <laughs> but it did help. It did help because I was rogue combating with like my captains and stuff. And I want but different story. So back, back to the Kondish King, the Kondish King uh, has commanding presence, which means he has a six inch banner to Kondish models, which is amazing. Mm. Get this. And this is where I'm angry at games workshop or whoever made the rules. He's got basically four big old banners on him. And yet they do not count towards victory points when it comes. Yeah. To <laughs> that is the biggest travesty of this whole game. And Does arguably anybody the in this army have a banner? <laughs> Everybody has a banner. No, I mean a real banner. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're all like each one has a banner on their back, and they're like, yeah, no, I'm. You can't. Okay, so he has heavy armor, hand and a half axe, and a bow. Um, the hand and the half axe is really important because this guy can now strike or yeah, strength up to five by piercing strike, which mm. is really good about good with uh killing high defense stuff. He can be given a, a horse or a Candace chariot. And I guess now is a good time to go over the Candace chariot. Yeah, let's talk about the Candace yeah, chariot. Yeah, you might as well. Candace chariot That's is 30, 30 points. Um it's about it's the same base size as a troll, so it's really big. Um, uh, mountain troll, so 60 mil. 
Yeah, mountain troll. Thank you. I forgot yeah. about those big boys that are like the size of like a whole board. And the small boys <laughs> of cave trolls. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So we'll say what's a medium boy right there. <laughs> okay. So when you're on a chariot, you can't twist and turn and go about like you're a regular cavalry model. You have to, whichever direction he is in, you move him three inches. Then you can segue 90 degrees, three inches, segue 90 degrees, three inches like that. In the beginning of the turn, you can do a 90, 90 degree he turn. Segue. He means pivot, by the way. Pivot. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I'm, the, I'm from the South. We don't really speak English well. <laughs> <laughs> you can pivot. So um, same rules as basically a mummick. Uh, each time you touch a model, and I mean touch, you're riding into them. You're not charging them. Mm. So you can literally charge a Nazgul, a troll, whatever you want a specter without taking a courage test. You're just gliding into well, it. To, to uh, clarify that it's because even though Rainier is saying the word charge, they actually never charge. A comedy's chariot cannot charge anything. They just move. And then they end up in base contact, which is why That's they ignore. So they can actually even quote unquote charge Tom Bombadil. Um, yeah. So, cause they ignore Ooh. the zones. Holy smokes. Or Gollum. I, I'm yeah. not actually sure that's correct because I think Tom says he can't be touched. But no, no, no. He says he can't enter his zone of control or something. So maybe, maybe there's a rule around Tom. So we'll ignore Tom. But like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, 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 but everyone else. Not, that's not one we need to spend a lot of time on. Yeah, but exactly. in, in, in in the chariot profile outside of Tom Bombadil, it says it ignored like it, it ignores yeah. control zones too, which is amazing. Yeah. So you can go around different angles and whatnot the kicker also is as soon as you come into contact with a model it's a strength two hit at whoa, whoa. or a no, strength no, four two, with two strength, two, four two strength four hits. Yeah, i was about to say you you have mercy guys. <laughs> it's like it's 12 30 here i am i'm a tire boy but yeah two strength four hits and this also applies because you're moving into your own guys so yeah. ooh, this is what i do all the time you get you get these juicy d4 condish infantry or condish condish cavalry and you're like they're in the way you're dead now you're out of the way and it, of course it applies to the mount and the 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 model so you can throw them into boromir and like two strength four hits on boromir you're not going to kill them but you're probably going to dismount them so like you can they're really really good they also have something called a bulwark special rule and actually before i do that the chariot itself has three wounds at d7 so you're not really going to see it die unless it's hurled into or a lot of attention is going to like be put into killing it. Um, the bulwark special rule also gives it to where if uh, a model shoots at this guy um, on a one to t or excuse me, a five to six, it hits him and a one to four in the in the way it hits the, the chariot. And this also applies to combat. So this is why I make the Kondish King my leader usually and not Amder, because although you're going to throw them in like a grenade, it's if you throw them both under, and of course you guys can disagree with this, but I just like him as a leader because you're going to keep him around for that banner effect. Um, and he's not going to die or get wounded as fast because most of the hits are actually going to hit his chariot in combat. But yeah, he's he's a wonderful model in my opinion. I'd at least take one in a Kanish list, uh, Kanish Eastern list. I'd still take one. Um, what were you going to say, Matt? Well, let me ask a couple of questions about the chariot to make sure I understand how it works because I haven't played against this very many times. Um, I have, and it was horrifying. 
Uh, oh, it was my, beautiful, my, Devin. It was so beautiful. the way I read this rule is if you are standing behind a wall or a barrier or any, any type of train feature of any kind, you are immune from the chariot. Am I right? Because it can't touch you. It can't go over uh, that. There's, there's something in oh, here you where it talks like about a wall that's like two inches high. Yeah. It can't. Well, uh, uh, what not two inches high. It says, uh, let's see when pivoting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Somewhere in here, it talks about it cannot go. Yeah, so it's the last the one. A Condi's chariot cannot jump obstacles that form a physical barrier, such as a hedge, walls, fences, right. or rocks. They may attempt to cross obstacles, such as streams or gullies, if they wish. But if one is rolled, it's automatically thrown. So, right. so if you're behind a, I mean, ordinarily, if you were behind a hedge, what some what what a figure would do to get into combat with you is they would move into contact with the opposite side of the hedge, and then fight over a barrier. The chariot cannot do that. Yeah. As, as I read this. Yeah, yeah. They're they're meant for like open field. And that goes even what Devin just said. Like you have them try to jump over like a stream or something like that and you roll one, like the chariot just gets destroyed right out. So you're going to want yeah. them in the open field as much as possible. Or you can even use them in the whole role of like stopping, like use the terrain and like have them in the middle to where your opponent can't pass through because you have to kill the chariot to get through. Yeah. So yeah, yeah they're, they're yeah they're very. These things these things can enter other types of terrain as they can because they can enter just, woods and all that. They get they just move down. one one for four. Yeah, you one for four. Yep. Um, so the only thing that also note anyone listening to this is uh you mentioned hedges or obstacles. Remember, it's got to be over half their height in order for them to need a climb test or jump test or anything like that. I don't think that's yeah anything correct. below that they don't they don't need a climb test there's no it, you just move over it well it says that form of a physical oh, okay so can it jump yeah they cannot jump obstacles so right. yeah okay they, but it's the not, jumping portion it's the jump they can so roll over but they can't so jump. in order to require a jump test you would have to have an obstacle that is less than half your or more than half your height um so all right fair enough yep um and, and then the other thing is these these guys can get these guys can get hurled, right? Yeah, they're oh, awful yeah. when they get hurled. They're they, awful. They can, they can also, also get, get hurled, hurled into through, right? They can yeah. get hurled through. Yeah. However, magic does not affect them like it sh like it does with other mounted heroes. If you sorceress blast someone into it, it does not get destroyed or fall over. You can't even. Yeah, it, it's there's a special clause actually in their special rules. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to ask about that. I, and, and yeah, it's clear if worst. you sorceress blast them, they don't get knocked over. Is that also true if you like if something else gets sorceress blasted into them? Yeah, that's also true. Hmm, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We went we went over this rule like extensively when like I was playing yeah, it back in yeah, the I states. Yeah, I guess so because that's all that's all in the magical powers rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that helps them. Like a monster can pick it. up one of these things and throw it into a monster can chop it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's gonna go all the way to like. Yeah. You do not. You probably don't want to run into a troll with one of these things. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. But they are, but they are good and um, quite cost effective, especially if you put them on the next model that we're going to talk about. But yeah, they're they're very interesting because you can actually heroic march with them and get 15 inches of just mowing down <laughs> stuff. So I, I I played this against uh, Lothlorien player mentioned our, one a previous episode. Um, where he castled in a forest and it's basically a forest and there are six inches in the back. He put his archers up front 
and his battle lines in the back like yeah like once you get through my archers you can come at my battle lines and i was like okay heroic march and they, they just went and they hit the <laughs> flanks like that and he was like what and then they just like da, 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 da. and then they like met in the middle and high-fived and it was, it was, it was glorious <laughs> so so they are they are very and back to the movement phase too you can someone can hide let's say a model on the in the back of the building and be like okay you can't charge me because you can't see me you can literally just you're not charging yeah you're you, not charging you, you just you're just you like did that to me if i rolling in your little <laughs> buggy and you're, yeah, yeah. You, you who was it like the betrayer and i was like yeah they didn't even realize you were there when they killed you like yeah well yeah so like that's like the kicker of them that's kind of like the wild card of why like playing them is it just it's it's different i mean i don't think it's overpowered because like you can't hurl them or uh, do something like that with like a fell beast. Also, they have so many physical there. limitations. I mean, yeah, yeah. Avoiding yeah. them with the right terrain is relatively easy. Um, I mean, I think they'd be better. Uh, Mick would probably be better with expl- talking about this, but we've all played in the UK. Uh, UK terrain is more sparse than the states. I think they. Oh, at Nova, play- these things are awful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They they play better. I mean, last Nova before COVID, like I actually had was playing these guys, and I was like, I'm gonna bring them to Nova, and then I was like scrolling through my photos, and I'm like, they won't maybe be able not to do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally, or even even there's like this uh, yearly DC tournament in Devon's region. Oh yeah, like yep, there's yep. so much terrain that it's like they would. The whole game, you just dismount them and like charge your foot guy in. But yeah, I, I like. I like. You don't they... know what tournament you're going to because it can totally change what you're dealing with. Yeah, so. but what what I see in the UK in pictures and what I saw at Articon, like I think the openness, especially with the new scenario game scenarios coming out, where like objectives are so important, or your army is spread out and you have to get to different ends of the yeah, board. Like the, I think they're really good. These are these are these are great. Um, this is a great army, I think, for the typical Oregon terrain of, you know, five tenths in a tree. Mm-hmm. Because you can just have fun and go around that tent or that yep. tree. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that that's the king. Um, I usually accompany him with Amder because like two hitting powers. But yeah, we should probably move on to the next profile. All right. So uh, fortunately, there's only really two more because you kind of covered the <laughs> chariot that covers most of these. So the Condi's Chieftain, which in my opinion is like an alternative king. I'm just going to run through this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's 55 points. Uh, and so Hero Fortitude in this case. So you can ally him in pretty easily with these thrillings with a historical alliance. Um, fight five. So uh, he's still the same fight value as a king. So just keep that in mind. Uh, so strength four, defense five, two attacks, two wounds, courage four with two might, one will, one fate. Um, has a hand and a half axe, a dagger and a bow, and then has heroic march. So he loses uh, Rainier's coveted heroic resolve and does not have. You know, that, that one thing you'll use once in every eight years. You'll lose it. You'll lose it. <laughs> and, uh, but he doesn't use it once in age. <laughs> yeah, once in age. It's true. Once Gandalf, one- Gandalf wrote about it the third age of the Fold Old. He'll fail from the heroic resolve. Like. <laughs> So um, he does also lose heroic strike, which can be. So He'll probably he, use more than once in age. Yeah. Um, you, so that turns the Connie's <laughs> Chiefs in, into more of like your lawnmower rather than your your actual like bulwark tank as you're trying to use. So essentially, 
a lot of times with the Kashkandi's chieftains, you're always mounting them, first of all. But if you're mounting them on a horse, generally leaving, leading a horse contingent, I'll see if Rainier has any other reason for that, but I think most often that you're putting them on a chariot. Rainier, probably not. I mean, you could use them on a horse if you want to like get maneuvers and stuff like that, but 20 more points and all the special crazy rules that we said, yeah. you put them on a chariot. Yeah. I why, mean, this, why, I've, I've, yeah. Why, 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 why would a Condis chieftain on a horse figure ever be pretty? Yeah. Good? Yeah. You're out there cutting your grass with scissors and you've got a lawnmower <laughs> and you're like, I'm not going to use it because it's 20 points more. No, you, boom, take that lawnmower <laughs> out. You better. But, I'm, I brag, I not brag, I rave about it every single episode. I, I feel fight five heroes with March are beautiful, and for eighty five points, this fight five hero with March can get strength five and a lawnmower. Strength five like, strikes. If anyone with piercing strike, yeah. yeah, like like yeah. which usually do, and like the bulwark too. The the two one one that you see everywhere with like heroes. He's only defense five, which isn't the best. But with his bulwark, like this guy is surprisingly not going to die. Like I had one of them at a tournament and he went up against a sealed door and a sealed door surrounded him with a whole bunch of dudes. And, uh, and then he was like, okay, heroic, heroic combat. And I was like, <laughs> like, there's like a 5% chance this isn't going to win, but that's more than anything else. And it didn't win. And the next, the next turn, a sealed door was out of anything. And I just like, killed the guy and ran like 10 inches away <laughs> it's like <laughs> they don't die like like the bulwark protects them so much mm-hmm. of course worth, not with hurls or magic but it is worth pointing out that this chieftain is 40 points less than the king and he is one less defense one less attack one less will and then lose one less courage <clears throat> and he loses strike in and the banner too of course but so the, uh, yeah, the forty points, the banner fact, the yeah, forty I mean, points that, are well that's something to think about there. But, yeah, yeah. But it's still like that. You can easily take two or three of these guys yeah. in a pure list, maybe even two in an allied list. Like, like the banner. If the king's banner counted as, I mean, I'd still take one because you make your battle line of chariots and horsemen re-roll, so you're getting all those rolls. But just eighty-five points, guys. Like, how can you? We we had an episode top what was it top five models in our opinion like this guy was up there yeah with one of mine like he's just and then of course you bring him in cruise so you have your 24 inches of a of a game board basically and you can have one over here one over here they can heroic march do shenanigans you hit the flanks of your opponent and it's just i don't know just just it's just really good for the money that or the cost that they give yeah i think these guys are fantastic i i Absolutely say that if you're playing an Easterling army, me personally, I'm always allying these guys in at least one, either the king or the uh, chieftain. Like I said, I don't play Easterlings that much. In fact, I actually play con more than I play Easterlings. Um, I, I also have a con to army, though. I don't have as much experience with it as Rainier does. Um, but we'll go into the, <clears throat> the other troop options that this army has. And there's only three, but like I said, one of them we've kind of covered. Um, we're going to go into the Condish Warrior really quick. All right. So, Matt, go ahead and talk about that. All right. So, Condish Warrior, mm-hmm. he's eight points. Um, he is obviously six inch move. He is fight four and uh, shoot four. Uh, uh, he is strength three, defense four, one attack, one wound, courage three. He has armor, hand and a half axe, and dagger. And he can, for free, swap the hand and a half axe for a bow. I don't know what your guys' opinion is of 
these guys, but well, they're they're dismounts for your cavalry. They're dismounts for your yeah. cavalry. And that's about <laughs> it. Because these guys, for eight points, you get a figure that kind of dies. I mean, yeah, it's fight four, but boy, will they die like flies. I tried. I do sprinkle a few though. Like I sprinkle oh, a do? few of them in. Yeah, because I use this strategy a lot. If you play the chariots oh, in yeah, deployment, bubble wrapping, you put one yeah. in the front so your opponent cannot charge your chariot. Yeah. But if he charges the guy, then it's your turn. You just kill your guy with the chariot and then go straight into their yeah. guy. I did that so with I'll, Iron Hill's chariot. Too. Mm, yeah, Lake it's, it's, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah, so Lake Towners are cheap. These yeah. guys are eight points, not that cheap, but yeah. one or two in like a war ban, or if you're allying with Easterlings, maybe you can throw them in the battle line. Like once they get to the battle, like that's another strength for like yeah. Pierce's I'd just strike, be worried with too, with too many of these <clears> that you could end up like breaking. Yeah, the, the army could just break around the chariot. I don't think you take more than four. I think for what Rainier was talking about, you know, I'm taking four. like one, one or two, maybe uh, three okay. in a whole maybe list. Three. Okay, yeah, because I would list. Take yeah. And I, you don't even put in each each war band, like maybe the king's war band, because the yeah. king is like who you want to want to protect more. Like he'll have one in the front. Maybe one guy will have one in the front. Uh, yeah. So you just replace, give him the bow, just in case you don't need to run him over, and then called day at that well actually no yeah, because I all give of your guys don't count oh yeah you have to unless you take three one of them would have a bow yeah and i mean it's not usually when i play with you'll use them like in a game that starts right right next to you like you right start right next to your opponent that's when you'll use them or like yeah. a male storm you put them to like protect your guy um for the for the next charge but i want to say maybe 80 or 70 percent of the time it's just your cavalry doing stuff and a dude in the background, like, wait for me guys, wait for me. Like, 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 but for me, I, let's say two, I'll use two in a game. And that's even an 800 point list, 16 points to have that kind of balance is worth it. In my opinion. <clears throat> and it's, it's, it's thrown my, my opponents off, even experienced opponents off. So I guess well. other than that, I, I, I did try these guys out in the front of an East Wing failing just to try it. That obviously I wasn't expecting much so, and I didn't get so much. after turn two and they were all dead and then it was just <laughs> no, after turn one when they were all dead. Yeah, turn one was about it. I mean, I was going for the whole like all right, five four, but obviously there's better ways to get five four. So then at the time when I tried it, oh well, so clarification, I tried it in the old edition when piercing strike gave you plus D three strength. And uh so I was trying to get like strength six front line and then the East but it, it they don't work. Yeah. So, and I don't think they work at all in this edition either. So realistically, they're just dismounts. So when we look at it, really, you have two infantry options. They're not infantry, sorry, warrior options for the Kandish. Um, you have Kandish horsemen, which is the first one. And by the way, this is, I think, going to collapse to one, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, how it'll it collapse pretty quickly. Yeah, it'll collapse. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so we have Kandish horsemen, which is probably the one that Matt was talking about that stays. Um, so basically at 13 points, okay. Or actually Matt, go ahead and go over these guys. Oh, sure. Okay. about the Condish charioteer also. Yeah. We're getting to him. He's yeah. Next. We are going to oh, get okay. to him, but that, that was when we said we'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, so the Condish horsemen are 13 points, um, move six, but obviously he's got a horse, so he's going to move 10, uh, fight four, strength three, uh, again, defense four, one attack, one wound courage three. Uh, he has a hand and a half ax, so he can go up to, um, uh, strength four. Uh, he comes with a bow. Um, so this is pretty cheap 
mobile archery here. Uh, and then he has a special rule where he says if he's dismounted, they immediately drop either their bow or their hand and a half axes chosen by the controlling player, um, which is odd. I think that's, I'm not sure there's another figure in the game that does that. Well, uh, they did it for the model because when you buy the models, they only come with either an axe or, or a I bow. See, okay. Yeah. And they didn't think we could remember that the uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's weird too because the dismounted models have like these huge like axes. axes. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I, I got dismounted uh, and I. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I mean the utility of these guys is they're thirteen point mobile archers, um, and it's not really somebody you want to do a lot of charging with because again, defense four. Um, yeah. But uh, and you really don't want to get into gun duels with these guys. Defense four. Um, but you can certainly get a whole mob of guys with bows with the, see, I'd the slightly disagree rules. with that. Like, I think this list is the most glass cannony of any list I've actually played, but I think the ax is the big kicker. You can have a massive battle line charging with your chariots with, with strength four, if you piercing strike. So like for me, I've come up against. Matt unimpressed. <laughs> but Gundabad, for example, Gundabad is defense six, uh, fight three. So that's an example to where you come, you hit the line, you heroic combat with your chariot, and just have the banner in the middle six inches of a whole bunch of three dice rolls. You're going to like roll high there and you're just knocking and killing stuff really fast. Um, it is a list where you have to break the opponent really fast because after you punch, they're going to punch back and you can't take a punch. Mm -hmm. So I, I find myself actually quite surprised when I play them. I've only at any tournament I played them in, I've only actually shot my opponent once. And that was playing against dwarves. Huh, Every single list, it's weird, right? Yeah, I've only do it once. I'll, I'll have like 24 to 34 bows, and I'd only do it once because your horses are always moving. So you're hitting on fives, and it's just not working as good. But yeah, I find that their, their aggressiveness is very good, surprisingly. And for 13 points a pop, you're going to have upward to 20 of these guys. In yeah. Your I list. mean, that's what they get is they get the numbers. And I, I mean, I frankly would be, I mean, it's for me, I guess it's the fact that you can have 20 guys that all shoot, which forces me to run towards you so that you can mm -hmm. pick the time to charge. Mm -hmm. um, but it goes back to your shooting aspect. Like if you come up against a shooting army, you're not going to do that. Like I came against Nick Gardner when I had these guys and I wasn't going to be like sitting Elven back player. and shooting. For those who don't know. Uh, yeah, Elven, Elven, Elven player. player yeah the 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 <clears throat> castle in the force that i was talking yeah. about earlier yep. like no you just throw them and it's all you got they'll, they'll die if shooting you lose war the against fight. yeah yeah they'll die yeah, if you I lose the right. fight but like if you have a massive and there's so many you can hit the edges you have a massive charge against a shield wall that's fight three i i, I alluded to it gundabad um some other list uh moria uh, Lake Town, and you just piercing strike with everybody, heroic combat with your heroes, you can basically break a 30 to 40 model army in one or two turns. Like, it's it surprised the crap out of me because I played these guys, I started playing them purely for the aesthetics. I thought, I've never seen them in America. No one has ever painted them up. I want to paint them beautifully and compete. Except for Tim Hickson. I'll, I'll let him give that shot. Yeah, Tim Hickson. Yeah, there you go in, in California. But he's painted everything. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the man he probably owns painted the, game. the Mona, Mona Lisa. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but like, 
I've I played them. I played them just for the aesthetics look. But as I was playing them at tournament and like seeing that they work competitively, it wasn't their shooting. Um, it was of course their mobility, but purely it was just that big punch. One turn, if everything clicks with the strength four in the guys, you're just taking out a crap load of like your opponent's battle line. So that that's in my opinion, I mean, that's my experience playing with them. Like other people might have other experiences. Actually an interesting experience. I would I would I would say the glass cannon is still a glass cannon and it's the fight phase and the move phase like that where I've actually been really impressed in utilizing so them. Years ago, uh before this edition got released, there was a throne of skulls where they allowed us to have a mass testing of the new profiles, uh, not profiles, sorry, the new army bonuses. And uh, at the time, uh, Tim Hickson actually brought this to Throne of Skulls. I remember I played Barador. He was playing this army. And he said every time he tried to gun his opponent off the field, it just didn't work. Yeah, it never um, works. But then when he started charging in, it's the only way. He still lost almost all his rounds against elves, but yeah, I, he also I mean, didn't have that chariot thing that you have, though. Because yeah, at the time, the chariots sucked. Chariots sucked, yeah. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think the advantage of having 20 guys like this that can shoot is not because they're going to shoot down everybody in the game, but it, it for, once you have kind of that bow superiority, it forces the other guy to move towards you. Yeah. And once he's moving towards you, you can guarantee that you will get that charge off. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that, is, the numbers. that is not true if you have to move towards somebody who's out shooting you. Um, and uh, uh, if he's, if, if you're, if your cavalry and your opponent is forced to move towards you, you can always make sure you're at the range you need to be to charge them and not be charged. Yeah. And uh, um, that's, I think what these guys can do. All right. Well, then well, I guess we'll go into the last profile of the Kandish, which is the charioteer. Which... Never take them. Yep. All right. That's it for the episode. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> yeah. No, you would never take these guys. I mean, for those of you who don't know, they're 30 points. They're fight four, strength three, defense four, one attack, one courage, three. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, three wounds, one, um, one cur- wound, three courage. Sorry. Uh, the, so a lot of you might be surprised. We just raved about the king and the chieftain whom we absolutely would take. Now suddenly, you know, and we always said the chariot's great. So the rules didn't change on these guys. They still have the bulwark and everything else. The real problem is the defense four. As Rainier stated, yes. And one wound. <clears throat> and one wound. And magic. As, as Rainier state and magic. Oh wow, yeah, magic would be awful. Um, so actually, let's go into all three of those points. Why are these guys bad? So I'll take the first one, so, which is yeah, that 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 uh, defense four one wound. Um, if someone does roll that five up, which they will eventually, it's harder to get through your defense six king or your two wound one fate chieftain uh, than these one wound defense four guys. And then magic Rainier, why is that terrifying against these guys? You come up against Agmar and they fell like one of them, and then there's 10 inches of it mowing down your grass. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the difficulty of them when it comes to magic. Yeah, yeah. or 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 compel. Yeah. Um, compel. Or- you could even immobilize, and then someone comes in like a fell beast comes in and hurls it. Like it's yeah. just mm. instill fear probably would do it as well. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, actually, no. Oh, yeah. how's that work though? Because they move back and they can only move forward. You're like, and still fear come couldn't. at me. Like, ah, oh, like, that's an interesting. Yeah, it's a weird. Maybe they dismount, and I don't know. It's yeah. So, I guess so that's the one. Magic is me. Yours is that. What's yours, Matt? 
Oh, I mean, he was saying on the wound, one wound bit. Oh, yeah, one well. one wound. So like random arrow comes in, rolls a yeah. five or six, and yeah. you know shoots down your your thirty point model. Yeah, I mean I, it's it's like a thirty point model, or just for that thirty points, put it on a hero who now I, basically protects it from all that. I mean, it's it's not it's not. You can still bring them. I mean, when I played against you, Devin, I actually had, two, had two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had two. I, mean, I had two. And it, it, it really, it really, really, because it made you commit archers to this side of the battle, to to, yeah. to the west side of the battlefield, and I, I just kept him there for a potential threat. So it is, yeah. it, is it is useless. I, I, I think that if you have the points and you already have bulked up on your numbers and the heroes you need and all that, uh, which you did by the time you had two chariots, right? Um, uh, you had uh, Amder, you had and two kings. kings, two kings, two, yeah, two kings, and, and then, then you two had sizable years. amounts of numbers. So then, yeah, why not throw in some chariots, make some additional threats? So they're not automatic. No, um, in fact, if, I would argue that if you for some reason don't have any chariots on the king or chieftain, or maybe you only have a chieftain, then maybe one of these guys to shore up another flank might not be a terrible idea. Just be very careful when you play them. Uh, they can be a landmine to yourself. Um, so you, you just have to be just basically careful with them. Um, but yeah, they, they actually were effective right here in your game against me. Um, yeah, I remember sure. you killed half my army just by walking and uh, yeah. or, or, or riding, I guess. Well, on mowing. And, yeah. <laughs> so. I had to clean off all the blood from the coursers off my bumper. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is actually an interesting interaction with instill, how instill fear interacts with chariots. I don't know the answer to this question because what the spell says is the affected model must take a courage test. Uh, if the test is failed, then the model must move its maximum moves distance directly away from the caster. And then, of course, you've got the chariot charge special rule with the chariot that says a Condor's chariot is an unusual model and moves in the following way. And then it describes the uh, 45 degree pivot, then move three inches, then 45 degree pivot. I mean, it's impossible for it to move directly away. So it just turns it around. Yeah. And the, the rule that said, yeah. well, it, yeah, but it says that doesn't happen because it uh, for the pivot to face in any direction, it says if a chariot is moved by an enemy model, it may not pivot in this way. Um, so it can't, it can't turn 180 degrees around. Um, so I guess the question is, uh, do you Nothing. just ignore the chariot charge rule, turn it all the way around and move it away? Probably not. Um, or do you just have it like basically do the best it can to move directly away? Like turn 40. Well, that's a hard thing too, because in the chariot move phase, you can, uh, elect to move it completely in any direction but that's its full movement so it's yeah but like, that that rule says that it cannot be that cannot happen when it is made to move by an enemy so that option is off the table yeah for yeah you can't do that one so i mean i don't know probably just stay there no nah, i don't think it would stay i know I, I, well let, let, let's say it's from I will behind submit it, it, it to the forward. faq yeah <laughs> submit, it, submit yes. it to the faq because i yeah i don't yeah, know the answer it's really kind of an interesting i think game. i would rule that it would have to go 45 yeah it would have to turn 45 degrees move three inches turn another 45 it basically yeah. do the best it can to move away from the guy and i would have ended up ruling nothing happened so actually we, that should be probably faq because that's like yeah and i so, probably would have ruled by asking a friend because i wouldn't have no idea <laughs> <laughs> No, so, but but no. that goes to like the strategy of chariots real quick. Like, don't overcommit them because you can't really move them in any direction but forward in the game unless you're going to commit a whole turn to putting them in in a, in a different direction. So like, don't overcommit them 
in the battlefield. Like, yeah. So I think um, the reason we combine these two in this episode as well is because Easterlings really aren't competitive on their own, but I think with the Kandish, they gain the hitting power that they previously don't have. And the other alternative is, of course, Mordor, um, unless these then, new silhouette warriors are you know, to attack. Yeah, like vice versa, too. I, th- I think Kandish uh, gained the model count with the Easterlings that they yeah. don't have. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, I, I think like we need... If we want to play Easterlings pure, we need these new models, whatever they are. They need to be two attack, defense seven, eight points. Or they need have light. They need to have lightsabers, like lightsabers. Or you could just give the Easterling shield wall. I, I, you know, I think if you, if you made their army rule instead of that weird thing that they have now, if, if their army rule was Easterling warriors gain the shield wall special rule. I think that might actually be enough just by itself to do it. Cause all of a sudden you've got instead of this phalanx with a bunch of dice, but that a hero can ha- kind of hack through with impunity. If it wins the combat, you end up with uh, you end up with a, a phalanx that the heroes can only kill on a six. And um, that I think would, would really uh, go a long way. So to- that okay. can't happen. If like let's say this next supplement, you know, it's let's say one that these new models actually are Easterlings, and two, if this book is about Easterlings, if it's a book, then um, it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to add an army bonus, or at least not say you can make it a legendary legion. Yeah, I guess War of the North. I mean, was wasn't Kamul up in the north fighting Dane Ironfoot? And, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't think it was was it Kamul? No, Kamul. He was down in the Pelennor. No, Kamul uh, was not in the Pelennor. Kamul was actually at Dol Guldur, mm, if I'm remembering correctly. So you could do a Wait, War in the North like supplement and give them, I mean, because even like you saw in the movies, like the Phalanx typical like fight in Minas Earth and stuff like that. But let's say maybe up north, it's closer to the Brownlands. It's closer to Ruin. Like maybe give them more specialized armies like a queen on chariot or something or like like those special units don't just just please oh, don't no, forget it <laughs> <laughs> what yes yeah, so another hoping... woman special rule or yeah, woman give it the weird woman keyword <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm just i'm just hoping games or forge world doesn't give us these beautiful models like the dunlin huskarls and just really expensive and have like a minor role that doesn't really do much like give us something good yeah. like give us like equivalent to a berserker or like in the iron or, or in the durance folk list like iron guard someone yeah. that can throw something that's strength for just give us something good for the list please 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 <laughs> so well, um do we want to go over kind of so i'm going to uh, run into a hard cutoff time unfortunately okay. where yeah we'll have to probably postpone right. the list for the next episode fair enough but um, but I appreciate it, Rainier, uh, talking to us once again about his expertise with this army. Um, it's not expertise. I just push models and roll <laughs> dice. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, then, um, if any of you have questions about the Eastling factions and also any list that you'd like to submit, obviously for this episode we couldn't didn't have time to review one, but uh, for the next one we definitely will get to it. So we will talk to you all very soon. Bye. See you guys.